Welcome to Conscious Conversations. Today we dive in with product manager and yoga teacher extraordinaire, Laura Furman. Laura teaches us how to maintain a beginner's mind while learning to improve our performance and joy at the same time. It's really a great deep conversation where we blend technology, success, and spirituality and give you some awesome frameworks on how to succeed more in your life, but also relax on yourself and have more fun in the process. It's a really cool combo. We hope you enjoy it. So uh, let's dive in. We are live. Welcome to Conscious Conversations with Nick Paladino-King and Nitin Garg. Uh, we've got Laura Furman with us today. Laura is a product manager slash yoga teacher who uh, blends her knowledge of yoga and experience as a product manager to help people perform better in the workplace. So, Laura, welcome. Thanks for joining us. Yeah, thanks for having me. Well, uh, Laura, would you like to kind of kick it off and tell our listeners a little bit about you, a little bit about uh, what lights you up? And then uh, maybe a little bit about what we are going to dive into today and see where this conversation takes us. Yeah, that sounds good. Um, and thank you for the intro. So like Nick said, my name is Laura. I've been practicing yoga for 10 years, teaching it for six, seven, I don't know, they kind of blend together at this point. Um, but what really lights me up in this moment is actually surfing. So a new COVID hobby that I picked up in the last year, year and a half, where I found it just really refreshing, not only because the ocean is ice cold here in Northern California, but also uh, starting something that I was really, really bad at. <laughs> like not knowing where to sit, how to catch waves, like really having to learn from basic safety to more strategy and technique and how to find a, the right board and how to read the conditions. Like there's so many threads that you can unravel within it. And I found it really interesting to just dig deeper uh, without expectation of needing to be the best at something. Cause I think a lot of us are in this mind frame already where we're used to doing things that we're reasonably good at. Um, mm -hmm. So starting something where you're really starting from zero, I mean, maybe not zero. I knew how to swim. That is kind of I was going to ask that. <laughs> that would be truly yeah. starting from zero. <laughs> yeah, not zero, zero, but, you know, uh, 0.5, let's say. But yeah. it was really refreshing to start from somewhere where I had almost no knowledge and be able to uh, notice more as I was on the journey. What made you kind of lean into a challenge like that? Uh, I think I'd always had a aspiration to surf, but I grew up in Massachusetts, so didn't really have an opportunity and then was kind of dreaming of it. But the funny thing about surfing in Northern California is there's kind of a threshold of if you don't know how to surf at all, you're probably going to have a pretty crappy time because you're going to end up sitting in the water and freezing your butt off for three hours. But if you learn somewhere warm and then come to California, it's kind of more worth it because you actually can catch waves and enjoy yourself mm -hmm. and not be just thinking about how cold you are. So uh, I had the opportunity during COVID with work remote to go live in Mexico for a month and work from there. And that's where I was able to actually get to a threshold of, Perfect. okay, I'm competent enough that I can go and despite the cold water, still enjoy myself. That sounds perfect. 
seems like that's that should almost be like a career tip you know yeah take an aspect go practice somewhere where it's a little bit you know less taxing and then come and try the hard waves after that yeah for sure <laughs> well there, there's something that you said laura that i that i really liked is that you've that we all have uh, many of us share the tendency i think you said more or less to want to be really good at something uh initially and so I was, I was noticing so the other day i was researching a hobby for myself and i was like oh why don't i get into martial arts okay and the first thing i started doing was researching what's the quickest black belt to get like is it karate is it judo is it aikido and i was like holy crap i'm not even i haven't even started this thing yet and i'm already trying to find out how quickly i can be good at it and how quickly i could be the best at it and i just thought that was such a good insight for myself but it also sounds like you've seen this in yourself and maybe in some other people so um I just had that real realization last week. So maybe you want to touch on that, how that's showing up for you or where you see that showing up in your world. Yeah, hundred percent. I mean, at one point I would describe myself as a chronic overachiever, like everything I did, I had to be the best at. I think that especially in the Bay area and, and other places where like your profession really defines how you think of yourself, whether or not that's right, no judgment, but you go to a party and the first question someone asks you is what do you do? Not, you know, who are you? What do you like? Even who do you know at the party? Like straight yeah. in networking all the time. Wait, I um, thought that was the normal way to start a conversation, but that's probably <laughs> because I've been here forever. <laughs> it's such a pet peeve of mine. I feel like it really does not matter unless I'm at a networking event, what your job is. And it's just a way for somebody to kind of size you up quickly and, you know, it all has to do with identity. At the end of the day, what we're talking about is having an identity as somebody who is good at everything or having an identity as somebody who is an overachiever or as a product manager or as a CEO or whatever else it is. It's like, are you that thing? And if that thing were to go away, who would you be? I think that's more interesting. Like what is mm -hmm. the container? Yeah, like the, the identity that we define for ourselves, right? And how we choose to talk about it, what aspect of that identity we, we walk into the room with, choose to lead right. with. Um, it's interesting for me, especially because I, I feel like every month that goes by, that, that answer gets more complicated. <laughs> you know, it used to be simple. I would just say, I'm a product manager at Intuit. And now it's like, well, I also do coaching and I do this other thing and like, all right, which, which piece of it do I want to talk about? So mm -hmm. that's it. But yeah, the question still very much revolves around, like you're saying, Laura, you know, especially if you're in an environment where people trend to gravitate towards that question of what do you do? You know? Yeah, exactly. Such an identity piece. And it's also, you know, if that's your highest thought when you're doing an activity, that's going to define your experience. So if, if Nick, your intention is I'm doing karate so that I can be a black belt, every other aspect of doing karate is not as high a priority as becoming a black belt. So the mm -hmm. way that you practice it, are you enjoying it? How many hours a week are you doing it? Like every facet of that experience is pointed towards achieving something versus you know if that's your intention that's great i mean go be a competitive karate black belt no judgment uh but with surfing like 
I'm not going to be an Olympic surfer, which shout out surfing's now in the Olympics as of Japan, which is pretty cool. Um, my goal was to have fun, de-stress from work, feel like I got out of my apartment. And in order to do that, I don't need to be aggressively moving down boards until I can get on a short board and rip and ride in barrels. Like I need mm -hmm. to be able to just catch some waves and have fun. It sounds like Laura, what you're what you're saying to reflect back is our our identity limits our reality. Like our identity limits, maybe better so said is like our our identity limits our experience. So if your goal is to be the best, then your your identity is going to be limited through that. So is your experience. But if your goal, like what I heard you say, is to have fun and to enjoy yourself and de-stress, um, when you said that, it felt like a world of possibility kind of opened up. And I think surfing is a great example. It could be we could be talking about yoga, karate. We could be talking about, you know, your first job out of college, right? I mean, what's defining the goal, or maybe even deeper, defining the intention is what I hear you saying. Is that is that about right? Exactly. Yeah, exactly. Your intention in any practice is going to define how you experience it. And is your goal to be the best or is your goal to have a good experience? Those, those aren't mutually exclusive, but they will change mm -hmm. how you approach it. Yeah. And folks can be so like goal oriented, right? That it's often that's the first thing we jump to is like, okay, if I'm choosing to commit this activity and this much time, like what's the goal that I'm working towards versus it could be just like, Hey, I'm just doing this to enjoy, learn something new and have fun. So Laura, I'm, I'm really curious now that we're having this conversation because you talk about this thing of um, you, you talk about this concept or art of being a beginner. How do you typically explain that to someone? I'm really curious how you actually talk about it. Yeah, you know, I'm probably a beginner at talking about the art of being a beginner. So we'll we'll give it a shot. This is yeah. my first uh, podcast appearance. Perfect. First time listener, first time caller. So, you know, <laughs> present moment. Uh, I think it really has to do with figuring out why you're doing something. And then dropping all of your expectations. I know Nick, drop your expectations to the floor, something you say mm -hmm. a lot. Mm -hmm. I think when you put so much pressure on yourself to perform a certain way, that's when you create the possibility of failure. Mm -hmm. So if you set up your expectations in a way that there is no failure, then you're probably going to have a better experience when you go into it. Yeah, you're likely just going to be more joyful and not as stressed out about did I perform to X threshold or not? Um, yeah. Of course, the contrary, you know, if, if someone was really going for like, they actually wanted to be an Olympian <laughs> surfing, then of course you set your goalpost. But yeah, you know, going in with that clear intention of what do I really desire out of this activity? Yeah, and I love Laura the piece you threw in about the you know dropping your expectations to the floor, or our, our mutual teacher Gene will Gene Mazzei will say throw your expectations at the window, and <laughs> expectations lead to disappointment. It's a really important thing for us to understand, especially like you said living in the Bay Area and being successful and, and having these large egos that we may not even be aware of. Expectation leads to disappointment because it sets a bar which has to be hit, right? And one of two things happens: either I, I exceed the goal and then what happens is well next time 
the goal gets raised, the bar gets raised, or I don't hit the goal. And now there's a gap between what I thought was going to happen in reality. And that's where disappointment, frustration lives. And I mm -hmm. think on the other one is where, where burnout lives and where lack of fulfillment lives. And you had heard Laura say present moment and how we get to present moment is by throwing expectations out the window, dropping assumptions and living in the here and now. And, and Laura, I loved what you're saying about, you know, if you're going to go out and surf, there is no expectation. The intention is to have fun. The goal is to de-stress, but that's not the expectation because I don't know about you guys. I've had some, some things that have been very frustrating to me in my life. You know, things that have been, you know, that you could classify them as failures. And those end up being some of the greatest learning moments as a result. It's like success lives in failure, you know, but mm -hmm. I don't even, I don't even like to use that word. I think feedback is the better word <laughs> over than failure, over than failure, because that's really what we're talking about now. Um, Laura, for you, how, how do you approach then as a beginner in surfing, as a beginner teaching beginner's mind, how do you, how do you approach a session? Is there things you do to get yourself ready to drop an expectation? Is that something that you've just trained yourself to do? I mean, how, what does that look like? I mean, we get it because we live in that world, but could you explain that to the listeners of how do you actually get present? How do you actually clear your mind to be a beginner? Yeah, it's a good question. I think first off checking in with your intention of, you know, why am I doing this? Like, am I going out because I'm training for an Olympic event or am I going out just to de-stress and relax? And then I think actually once you are doing the thing, it's all about being present and focusing on each individual wave and each individual moment. And then also deciding, you know, if you are using, there are, you know, fitness trackers and you can count how many waves you got. And it's kind of cool to see progress and all that kind of stuff. But at the end of the day, like every single wave is different than the wave before than any other wave you've seen. Like this idea of perfection or being the best kind of has this notion of rigidity to it, where mm -hmm. I think being a beginner or being in the present moment allows you to be fluid, allows you to adapt and see every moment as being something that's unique and every wave as something that's unique, which I think is really helpful in surfing because particularly around here where there are a lot of beach breaks. So the shape of the wave is dictated by the surface underneath the water. Sand tends to move around. So it's never the same on two days, even going to the same beach it's not like there's a rule of thumb of like, this is how you surf here. This is the takeoff spot. This is how quickly you're supposed to pop up. Like everything is very present moment. You need to be watching, reacting, focusing, like watching the waves come in as a meditation because your focus needs to be hundred percent on the waves. So I think surfing kind of forces you to do that. But if you weren't in a situation where you were forced to be present moment, that's what I would recommend bringing to the table with beginner's mind is all these assumptions or things that you've experienced in the past doing this thing that would lead you. Can you drop that and actually assess moment to moment what you're supposed to do? Yeah. You're like kind of adapting as you're, as you're going along because you are, you know, you're, you're learning and it's interesting, actually, one of the words that was popping up in my mind as you were describing that was just uh, adventure. You're new. You're doing something new. There's a lot of input you're taking in. You're processing because you haven't. It's not like 
I've been riding a bicycle for three years and it's just the same. And, you know, the, the, the balance of the bike comes right away and, and the pedals are just spinning because you've been doing it over and over. When you're trying something new, there is that sense of adventure. And it's actually, I mean, if I, at least for me personally, I remember that's actually one of the most like uh, fun times. It is challenging when learning something new. There is that little bit of a risk element. You are having to pay super close attention. It was the same thing when I did first learn how to bike. But at the same time, uh, th that activity also leads to like so much growth, a sense of like, just learning something new, gaining a new skill. Yeah, there's just that, there's just that adventure that goes along with it as well, which is so fulfilling in, in of itself. Yeah, and I'd be curious too to hear when it comes to cycling or anything else, like when have you noticed your brain forms the strongest memories? Because typically things that we categorize as being new to signal to our brain to produce the hormones that help us cement memories more. So treating every moment as new is going to improve your ability to remember it. Hmm. I mean, I remember actually, you know, you, now that you asked that, a, a vivid memory of me almost crashing into my neighbor's yard as I was trying to figure out how to stop the, this bicycle that I had just learned how to balance. So I knew how to balance it, didn't know how to stop it. <laughs> and that memory is forever cemented in my brain. So you're very, you're 100% right. There is something about the brain catching on to those initial memories. Well, and then there's, there's such a great piece there now that you both just introduced is one I heard, Laura, you're saying is the more present we are, the better we learn. Yeah. Because it sounds like there's more like a fresh canvas, let's say, for lack of a better word. And then Nitin, it's, it's what I'm hearing you say is now that, well, your skills had only gotten you to riding a bike, right? You hadn't developed the skills yet to then stop. And I think that's such an important piece for us to remember when we're learning. It's like... Oh, and we'll do this with coaching work, right? It's like, someone's like, oh my God, I've never felt, I've never not been stressed at work before, right? And they're like, holy crap, this is amazing. And then the next time you see them, they have a freak out because they didn't know how to keep that state, right? And it's like, let's not forget the first time you do anything is the first moment you've experienced that in your entire life. So you don't know how to stop. You don't know how to stop and then start again, right? You don't know how to do a wheelie. You don't know how to jump a curb. And these are all incremental learnings that happen over time through feedback. And I mean, gosh, that's so much more fun to look at things in that way, right? In that lens of, oh, I've never gotten this far. In yoga, we call it adhikar, which you both know, right? You earn the right to learn or you earn the right to know, okay, you can meditate. Now, try visualization. Now, try breath work. Now, try, you know, whatever. So there's such a fun piece here of learning of continuous improvement, continuous learning, and you get the next piece when you're ready for the next piece. It's, you don't learn it in one day. Um, they say mastery takes, what, 10,000 hours, I believe? Yeah, that's it's a good chunk of time. Yeah. But yeah, that's such a fun piece to think about. And the bike is the perfect analogy, the perfect metaphor. And, and usually, you know, sometimes there's like an aversion to start something new. And I know a lot of people out there, they're they've probably had a hobby or some interest in their mind for the longest time, but haven't jumped in because either it was the time or maybe a risk of being perceived a certain way. Mm -hmm. I don't know, Laura, how you talk about it, but I'd be curious to hear your point of view on, you know, when someone is considering trying something new for the first time, how to sort of help get over that initial 
bit that might be holding them back. Yeah, I get this actually all the time. I'm sure Nick, you hear this too, with people saying, I'm not flexible, so I don't want to do yoga. Yes, classic line. Yeah. For, for all the dudes out there who can't touch their toes, this one's for you. Uh, you know, first, I tell them yoga is not about being flexible. And second, I tell them there is no good or bad. So as long as you're doing yoga, you are equal with everyone else who's in the room. And at the end of the day, if you're just breathing and focusing on your breath, you're, you're doing it. So it's very, very simple to break it down into its smallest piece and then make it, you know, what is the smallest piece of it? I'm sure you know this decomposition from a product engineering background. What is the smallest piece you can break it down to, to get to its mm -hmm. essence where you're in a container that's like impossible to fail. Like if you tell someone to do an hour of yoga every day in order to be able to do a handstand in a year, right? This is a external facing goal with a time requirement. That's Nick and his black belt. Like it's going to take a while. There's a big commitment. I don't know if I like no. it. I don't know if it's worth it to me, but when you decompose it down to something that is a impossible to fail and B captures like the essence of the intention, then it becomes a lot more approachable. So breathe and notice your lungs expand. Mm -hmm. You're doing yoga. Like, that's it. Since I don't live in the, the world of product management like you two, but I'm super interested in what you were just talking about, Laura, of this decomposition piece. Like, can you, can you explain more? Of, like, what could that look like for someone to break something down so, so much that there, there is no possible way to fail like what what could that look like i kind of i don't understand this with this world so i'm i'm really interested in myself and what that could look like at work or with a relationship or with anything really yeah nissen do you want to talk about decomposition or should i sure. jump in sure sure <laughs> so for all the for all the product folks out there and for maybe folks that don't you know work in the field of tech decomposition unlike we're not talking about compost. We're not talking about, you know, your veggies becoming decomposted, <laughs> a fertilizer. But in the in the coding world, what's, what is often referred to as, you know, there's a large chunk of code. It's really gnarly. Maybe folks have been writing it for five years or so. And it's just this really like complicated thing. Sort of like how you might refer to Nick, like, hey, what does it mean to earn a black belt? Well, there's probably a ton that goes into it. And mm -hmm. it's just this gigantic goal decomposing in that sense is referring to saying, okay, well, how can I break down this milestone into many, many smaller digestible chunks? So what's the, what's the first recognizable milestone on the way for someone to earning a black belt? And maybe that's like one out of hundred steps that, would it, that it would take to actually get to a black belt. And then focusing on that first step. It's kind of like Nick, you know, when we even talk about, you know, someone establishing a really gigantic mammoth goal and the thought of that, something 10 years, 20 years out, when we, when we challenge folks to think about like their dream life or their ideal role, et cetera, it becomes really daunting because they're like, man, that's nowhere near where yeah. I am today. How do I think about this? So we say, okay, well, actually, what's the freeze. one yeah. small immediate step you could take next, right? So we decompose it for them to that one tiny step. I'll pass it back to you now, Laura. Yeah, that was, nailed it. That was exactly... Um, 
you know, the way I understand it is we break things down into component pieces that are achievable and understandable so that we're not dealing with a lot of complexity. And this is, you know, how we code, how we write JIRA tickets, but also how we can approach doing any new thing of, can you break it down into a piece that's so small that it seems approachable. So with the yoga case, you know, just breathing is pretty approachable. I hope everyone is capable of breathing. Uh, but if it's surfing, it's like, all right, get in the water or figure out what type of wetsuit you need or start catching waves on your belly. You don't even need to stand up. Like small pieces that little by little, you can put yeah. them together and then you're eventually surfing. Yeah, I was just thinking about that myself. I was like, okay, if I was to try and surf, I'd probably be in a pool with my board just to be like, okay, can I stand up on this thing first in a, you know, in a, in a pool that's actually calm, let alone like waves running in. That might be like later on. Yeah. Or, you know, land training is a huge thing with surfing. I think yeah. um, particularly for people like me who can't get to the ocean every day, like what are you doing on land that's setting you up for the water? So practicing your pop-up, practicing, you know, any sort of balancing exercises like BOSU ball push-ups, things with TRX, like uh, reverse crunches, basically working on an unstable surface on land is a really good way to train for that. Yeah, that's that's super helpful. And, and what I love about this is, and I think I've told I've told both of you this before. It's like I see the two of you being so much more in touch with the professional world than like myself, for example, right? Because you both live in that world. But what I love is that you both live in this technical world and you also live in the spiritual world. And what I was just listening to as the both of you were talking was you both describing something pretty complex and breaking it down into something digestible you know, that is that someone could listen to this and say, wow, I could do that at work. Like I have this really big project that seems daunting, or we're going to do this brand change, or we're going to, you know, I'm going to go from being a manager to a director, whatever. And through your guys framework, I feel like someone could really hear that and go, Oh, what's the first thing I can do? Can I start to research this? Can I start to talk to colleagues and get some feedback? You know, can I start to prep for, you know, the next thing? So I just really want to acknowledge both of yours ability to, to be highly technical and um, break things down into a way that I think is, is super digestible. And I think we need more of that. You know, you've both heard me say, I think we have enough yoga teachers at the front of the rooms. We need more yoga teachers in businesses as teachers in government, you know? So uh, I just love hearing the two of you talk about breaking things down in technical ways that we can all really understand in physical ways, spiritual ways, um, I think we could really apply that framework to learning anything. So super cool to hear. Thank, thanks for uh, enlightening me on that. I appreciate it. Yeah, especially, you know, like in the product world, uh, you know, often there's a case of you're handed this like gnarly project or milestone to go hit as a team. Yeah. And you've got like 50 things to figure out to get there. It's, it's so easy to get overwhelmed, get, get anxious, really frankly even get frustrated at yourself or the team when there isn't much progress so one of the key skill sets is actually the ability to be able to break things down in a way that gives you and your team like you know a sort of check-in milestone two days out a week out 
So you kind of know sooner rather than later, are you off course? And therefore you can get guidance from your manager or your peers to like get back on course, right? We're all, we're all dealing with ambiguity. I mean, in, in the land of product management, it's usually the project you're on is never something someone's done before. If they had, it would be kind of meaningless for you to do it because there's already a great solution out in the market. Uh, so yeah, that, that ability to break things down is super, super key and also becomes a great way to actually manage stress because it's the inability to break stuff down that often, at least from what I've discovered, leads to that over sense of getting overloaded, feeling stressed out. I don't know, Laura, if you would describe it the same way, but would love to hear your take as well. Yeah, I think there are a lot of sources of stress, inability to break things down, ambiguity, feeling like lack of control or autonomy, like all things that I've experienced and heard from people that I've worked with on stress management. I think um, there's another interesting aspect of beginner's mind and product management, which has to do with just figuring out what you're going to build. Like one of the things I really love about being a product manager is there's no instruction manual. Like the company is trusting you to recommend what the customer needs. And if you approach it with a sense of, oh, I've been here before, I know what the customer need is, or I am the customer. And so I obviously know what the customer need is. I see that happen uh, you know, all over the industry and product. Happened a lot when I was in the retail industry too. Like I am the avatar customer and therefore my taste is what is going to work. Uh, when you're approaching it as, you know, I'm an expert, you're not leaving room to hear what the customer is actually asking for. So that's this idea of like continuous discovery and product development is the same thing as beginner's mind as present moment. Like all these things are kind of a muscle developing your, your listening ability, your paying attention ability, because maybe what the customer is asking for is different than the internal shared opinion, like if you kind of skip that step of having present moment awareness of what the customer needs, then you could end up building something that ultimately doesn't work. And what you're, what that reminds me of, Laura, is, you know, I remember in my early product management days, I was trying to put myself back in that beginner's mindset was, hey, am I approaching this thing from the way uh, PM fundamentals are taught. Mm -hmm. There isn't necessarily a you know, solution sheet for every problem you face, but there are you know, a whole host of best practices. Yes. Right? So oftentimes, <laughs> yeah, oftentimes, for example, just to name one of them, you would get uh, a business executive saying like, oh, this, this team just needs to go do X. Uh, but if you're a strong PM, you would know what that means is you better make sure that X is the thing that the customer really needs and is actually yes. going to solve the business problem because otherwise the executive is just going to be frustrated at you for even doing X because <laughs> you didn't verify that that was actually the problem that needed to be solved. Uh, you know, so maybe, you know, this, this, frankly, brings up the aspect of like, I guess, whatever we choose to do as a beginner, are we actually arming ourselves with the proper tools and knowledge so that we jump in with that, with that foundation in place? Yeah, totally. 
And I mean, on this same note, like when that type of thing happens, when a leader says, go build this thing, it's a sign of how healthy the company culture is. If you have the ability as a product manager to bring back evidence and say, hey, I'm looking at, you know, what the customer is saying, what the market is saying, what the data is saying, and maybe this product isn't right for us. Here's a different idea. Like, if that's not something you feel like you could do in your role as a product manager, then that's a signal that maybe the culture is not a good fit for you. Um, and it's something, you know, I've heard about and seen, I think product managers uh, take, take orders from other people all the time. I think it's about gut checking and figuring out whether it's actually yeah. gonna work or not. Cause even if it wasn't your idea, if you build it, it's your fuck up. <laughs> Yeah, and of course, That's like you said, it, it matters yeah. on the on the company's culture for sure. Because yeah, in some places it's just like okay, you just got to do what you've been asked. And but a sign of a good team is usually when they're willing to hear back feedback from the market and customers, right. and then iterate based on that. Yeah, and I mean the concept of iterating is very beginner's mind too, right? Like learning new things with each version. The idea that you're not going to build something that's going to last forever. Like software is malleable and mm -hmm. is going to continuously transform as you continue to work on it, as the customer uses it in a different way, as the devices that we access it through change, right? It's all present moment as it develops. So you need to be able to learn as you go there. Yeah. Nick, what so are you picking up from all this? Well, so, I mean, <laughs> I'm gonna. I think you guys are coming up with. I'm gonna correct my language. I think both of you. I'm trying not to say you guys. I'm trying to lead by example. Um, I think both of you are coming up with a framework here, really, for getting into present moment or getting into beginner's mind. They might. They might be synonyms. Um, are we? Are we all familiar with the kleshas? Yeah, a little bit. So the kleshas. This is really what I'm hearing the two of you talk about and the clashes are the afflictions that get in the way of our happiness and really in the way of our presence and they are there's five of them and one is ignorance so kind of like you don't know what you don't know right this is we think we know right we have a veil the, the next one is attachment which i've heard you both talk about in terms of like this is who i am this is who my identity is this is what i do the third aversion right like a, a resistance to change or, or a resistance to trying because we're afraid of failure we're afraid of being seen as less than then there's ego right this is like this is who nick is this is what nick does and or you know this is what nitin does this is what he this is how he is and the last one is in fear you know and what i guess what i'm hearing hearing you both talk about is we need to remove those as much as possible so laura i'm wondering for you like out of the clashes which one feels like the biggest one the biggest lever that we can pull to stay fresh and I've heard that's what the word I was coming to mind earlier as you were talking of like mm -hmm. a, a freshness, like fresh ears, fresh eyes, like fresh perspective um, and not being the expert. So I'm wondering what out of the clashes, and I'm now bringing like a yogic philosophy into your product management world, because I think that's the language we all speak here is, but what, you know, which one of those is the biggest lever you think we can pull to get more present, to get in the more in that beginner space? feel like attachments and aversions are just two sides of the same coin. So mm -hmm. maybe that's two answers and that's cheating, but <laughs> attachments and aversions, I think are the biggest ones of 
you know, I am somebody who does things a certain way. I'm attached to that process and I avoid discomfort. I think aversion to discomfort is a huge one. Like comfort and ambiguity is a big skill for a product manager, but also anyone who's new trying something, it's going to be pretty uncomfortable for a while. And yeah. if your goal in life is to go through it, avoiding discomfort, what kind of life is that going to lead you to? It That's could be a powerful question, <laughs> but complacent. But that's a powerful question. Can you can you repeat that question, Laura? Uh, just you know, if your goal in life is to avoid discomfort, what type of life is that going to lead to? I think about comfort with surfing a lot because it's objectively extremely uncomfortable. Like freezing water, strong rip currents. You're, the best time of the year to go in is actually in the middle of the winter. Who would have thought? You think surfing is a summer sport. Actually, the tides are better in fall and winter in the Northern Hemisphere. Um, but, you know, objectively, it's super uncomfortable. It's not that enjoyable, like from a physical perspective, except for that moment of electricity when you're on the wave. And so if I were doing like a cost benefit analysis of my time surfing, it'd be like, I spend three hours in the water and I'm on a wave for maybe five minutes on a really good day with long waves. So if my goal was to avoid discomfort, that exercise would not yield to me surfing. It's like, I think also, uh, one beat that both of you have mentioned at different points is the idea of time and how in sort of a corporate world, we think of time as money or energy mm -hmm. and needing time to be productive. I think there's this sort of counterintuitive thing around when I'm in beginner's mind, I don't have the expectation that my time is productive. Hmm. And asking someone to spend time unproductive is like maybe your PM uh, senses are going to be giving you an allergic reaction to like go be unproductive. Or the or someone's perfectionist tendency is going to get triggered, you know, at a, at a red alert. Okay, release release the the goal of being productive here. Release the goal of being good. Yeah. Yeah, and that brings up, you know, huge topics actually just around like the role of learning and like the time it takes to invest into learning something. And often, yeah, the rewards don't come right away. Um, there's persistence involved. And really like, yeah, that, if there's one question I take away from this conversation is probably that the one you just asked, Laura, you know, which is if, if the goal is in life, is to avoid discomfort then what kind of life does that end up creating because usually i mean I was, I was just reflecting on that when as you said that is every time i feel i have actually leaned into something that was uncomfortable and taken that first tiny step so yes you know some, something i'm aiming towards might be really ridiculously discomforting but then t decomposing it taking the first tiny step in that direction and then continuing to take the next 
small step after that, the next small step after that. That's usually what's made it easier for at least me to lean into the discomfort. But it's often when I have chosen to lean into the discomfort that growth happens, you know, a sense of accomplishment occurs. I start to define life on my own terms rather than just being comfortable with wherever I was. Because if I had just tried to stay comfortable, it would have also been a pretty boring and frankly, dissatisfying life if I hadn't actually lead into a lot of the things that made me uncomfortable. And you probably wouldn't have formed as many memories. Mm -hmm. Many memories, many friendships. I just love the like the softness that I'm hearing in your voice and it's in around growth because I think there's this there's this picture out there in the world that growth is uncomfortable or growth is scary or taking leaps you know is is dangerous it's like it can be but it also doesn't have to be there is a world where you have a plan you go okay here's what I want to do I want to learn to surf it's gonna be hard it's gonna be challenging I'm gonna get outside my comfort zone how do I start right now okay well I need watch some videos, take one step. And then what I find is one step in the present moment leads to, let's say, a, for lack of a better word, a better step in the next moment. When we're more mm -hmm. present in this moment, our next steps usually tend to go better. And then all of a sudden we go, whoa, how did I become successful? How did I become happy? How did I become joyful? Well, because you've been present all along the way and all of those steps, one after another, have led to a very big goal, a very big achievement, a very big accomplishment. And I think that's so important to remember that we can build towards great goals and great lives in a very systematic and sustainable way that doesn't have to, you know, dismantle our entire realities. We can, there's going to be times and places for that, but we really can sustainably grow and change. And even with hard things, you know, progress and persistence and that, and patience, that's how we get to the end, you know, yeah. those pieces. Patience, persistence, showing up, finding good coaches, finding good friends to support us. I think those are all part of the frameworks too. Yeah. And I just love this where we've ended up with this conversation, which is just it almost, to me, it's almost wanting to feel, you know, it's brought this new perspective of, okay, even if I'm doing something that I've always been doing for a while, how can I probably keep a little bit of that beginner's mindset still with me? Because that's what feeds the growth, it feeds excitement, learning something new, being able to bring fresh ideas to the table, right? And then at the same time, all right, well, if I got this next crazy audacious goal, which in the current moment may feel this, you know, uncomforted, uncomforting, mm -hmm. if, that's, if that's a word, <laughs> and breaking it down to like, what's our next little step, you know, in that direction. So probably, at least for me, that's what seems to be like the largest takeaway from our our call here today is how can we keep that beginner's mindset, lean in with some level of comfort, break down the large milestones into smaller chunks so that it's exciting and create some sense of like, oh yeah, it's not, you know, as daunting as we thought it was, whatever the goal might be. Yeah. And I think a good way to check in with yourself if you are, approaching it with a beginner's mind is if it seems too easy, like if it seems overly simple, mm -hmm. um, the designer I work with and I have a running joke of like, if it seems too simple, you're missing something. Mm -hmm. 
So if it seems too easy, you're not paying attention. There's something going on maybe that you're not experiencing or listening to that could offer more to you in the moment. Yeah, or there isn't that bit that would actually lead, lean into the, just that tiny bit of next growth that's needed so that it's continuing to actually help you get better at whatever it is you're doing. Right. So if, if, it, if you've been practicing on the land, maybe it's time to throw in some water. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Or if you've been practicing in two foot waves, maybe it's time for something a little, a little steeper or yeah. faster breaking or, you know, yeah, just go join the Maverick, <laughs> you know, all in. Yeah. That's, that's going to be my, that's my goal. You know, or if you're if you're, <laughs> if you're addicted to being the best at something you've never done like me, then uh, pick something that doesn't have a goal. That's so. Um, I think that can be fun as well. Go up. I think what yeah. I'm here to say is go up against our tendencies, right? Whatever your tendency is, go the opposite direction. You know, go yeah. against the grain. So well, well cool. they call surfing um, a lifetime sport for a reason. Is you can hmm. do it for your whole life and still be learning. So. I appreciate that. <laughs> Always a beginner. Yeah. Well, perfect. Well, perfect. Laura, um, thoughts, insights to leave us with before we close this, this conversation out. It's been fun. Thank you very much for coming on and for sharing. And I think you knocked it out of your, out of the park on your first podcast on the way to an eventual Ted talk, by the way. Yeah. Is that the goal? Yeah, sounds Laura? good. Uh, if I don't get an invitation to Ted, then this podcast was a failure. So <laughs> Yes. We'll work no, at I'm it. This was your first decomposed milestone. Yeah, yes. exactly. <laughs> uh, yeah, closing thoughts. I think, you know, you can apply beginner's mind to anything, whether it's work, how you show up in your relationships, or something that you do just for fun. Uh, if you are on the wheel of time is money is energy, I would really recommend doing something where you can decouple your productivity and your time because it's super refreshing and helps your brain just recharge at least that's my experience love that piece love that piece all right well we laura we'll put some notes in the show um people can kind of track you down maybe on linkedin find you and get you on their podcast get you on get you signed up for a ted talk and uh, thanks so much for jumping on. It was, that was a ton of fun. Really appreciate your time and energy and, and your presence. Yeah, thank you both. That was super fun. All right. Thanks for listening in. If you want any more information about our guests today, uh, about any of the sessions or, or offerings that were presented, uh, as well as about myself, Nitin, or Nick here, you can find all the links to our websites and uh, how to get in touch with us through the episode notes. And as always, don't forget, if you like what you heard, share it with friends and family, spread the love, spread the collective consciousness, and help us raise the consciousness as a whole.